When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in. Hour number two, Monday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. The last day of July. We have got much still to come with you. Our good friend Alex Berenson going to join you at the bottom of the hour. I would say as a journalist covering COVID, no one got more right than Alex Berenson did. What's going on now? Uh, We will discuss that with him. Uh, Lots more coming your way as well, but... As we are speaking, uh, Hunter Biden's ex-business partner, Devin Archer, testifying, uh, meeting with lawmakers to lay out Joe Biden's potential involvement alongside of Hunter in many of the business deals that Devin Archer himself was involved in as well. Uh, The expectation is that there will soon, I would imagine, be a transcript released of the comments that he made under oath in the House, and that will accelerate in many ways the impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden based on millions of dollars. I've seen, uh, I saw our friend Nancy Mace Buck say that she thought before all was said and done that potentially the Bidens were paid $50 million. Right now, I believe we're close to $20 million that they've been able to track. That's an unbelievable amount of money to be paid and compensated again what was burisma the ukrainian energy company getting what was the chinese communist party getting all of that beginning to be told and we will give you the latest on that as more of these uh informational points on devin archer comes out Uh, it seems uh, i'm trying to make sure we may have some uh breaking news here coming up on the Hunt, uh, the uh, Devin Archer slash Hunter Biden situation. Um, but as we know, he's facing 
uh, he's facing a completely unrelated fraud charge and could get sent to federal prison for some period of time on that. Unrelated meaning to anything having to do with Hunter Biden. But that's why that letter... I mean, can you imagine? He's he's going... Now, look, maybe part of the play here is he comes out and speaks the truth. A certain somebody becomes President Clay, and not only does he get out early, although it depends on what kind of sentence oh, he Oh, that's an get, interesting play, yeah. Or, But he might get a pardon. Because, as you know, even if you go to federal prison for one year on a felony... You know, you cannot have a license to trade securities. You cannot be a lawyer. You'll be disbarred. You cannot vote. You know, there's all kinds of things that that can come with that loss of rights and obviously loss of reputation. So, you know, part of the play here, think about think about all of the chips going into the middle of the table here with the the Trump Biden showdown that is emerging at this point. I, I mean, you've got. Either side could end, could end up. I mean, let's be let's be honest. I know that people would say there's no chance Trump will ever be convicted, but I mean, I don't think you can say that, right? No one knows. They're clearly bringing these charges. Either side could end up with criminal liability as a result of losing the election, Joe Biden included. I'm down in Atlanta right now, Buck, and there is expectation potentially that there's going to be charges filed here in the city of Atlanta in the state of Georgia soon. Uh, and on top of that, as if that were not crazy enough, at any moment we could have an indictment coming down associated with January 6th as well. And in spite of all that, poll came out this morning. I want to hit you with a couple of different stories. Buck and I were texting and talking about that, that this uh, earlier in the morning. Um, and there are several things that are just incredible about the polling. So let's start here. New York Times comes out with a poll uh, that Trump is crushing DeSantis and everyone else right now. Now, to be fair, this is a national poll. Trump has 54% support in the Republican poll the New York Times released today. Ron DeSantis at 17%. Nobody else above 3%. Mike Pence is 3%. Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Chris Christie are 2%. Basically, it's Trump... And then a big gap, a 37-point lead over Ron DeSantis right now. Now, but there were a bunch of things that jumped out at me about uh, this poll. Uh, But uh, one, there's a quote in the article from a man named David Green, 69 years old in Summersworth, New Hampshire. It would not shock me if he occasionally listens to the show. He was asked why he's supporting Trump. And this is his quote. He might say mean things and make all the men cry because all the men are wearing your wife's underpants and you can't be a man anymore. You got to be a little sissy and cry about everything. But at the end of the day, you want results. Donald Trump's my guy. He's proved it on a national level. Now here, Buck, I want to hit you with these. Uh, These are specific questions asked of Republican primary voters. Who is the strongest leader? This is Trump or DeSantis. 69% to 22% Trump is the stronger leader. Get things done. 67 to 22% uh, Trump. Able to beat Joe Biden. 58% Trump, 28% DeSantis. But this is the one that jumped out at me the most, Buck. Fun. Who is more fun? Donald Trump, 54%. 
Ron DeSantis, 16%. The f- I can't believe that more people don't talk about this, but Trump is wildly entertaining to the Republican base, and that margin is basically the margin overall. Trump has a lot of fun. I think the DeSantis campaign so far has been serious and not particularly joyful or spontaneous. And as a result, Trump is just crushing Ron DeSantis just on the question of who is more fun. And I think that's ultimately why DeSantis is having so much trouble punching through. Look, I I listened today uh, to DeSantis's economic plan uh, on my way into the studio. Uh, So I heard what he was laying out. And everything that he is is putting forward, I think, every Republican, every conservative in this audience would nod their head economically. They would say, yeah, that's good. That's smart. I like that. That's, you know, and, you know, that's a good idea. Let's do that. But I think what what's happening here is on the one hand, there's just Trump is the greatest political show on Earth. Still, bar none, no question, just as a show, right, as a as a draw. Um, and that hasn't changed. People haven't tired of it the way that maybe some had anticipated after uh, the 2020 election and everything that happened. That's one part of it. But also, I think people are increasingly seeing this, or at least, let's be honest. I mean, let's look at the numbers. Half of the Republican base looks at the situation, and this is based on the polling. I'm not just, it's really more or less 50% of people on the GOP side are all in for Trump. And that number seems durable. That number seems constant. Maybe it's 55. Maybe it's, you know, 51, but whatever it is, it's around there. And they see this as a clash of, uh, a clash of champions for a broader cause and a movement and not a policy fight. Meaning they see this as a bare knuckle brawl for the soul of the country. And so the policies, the who's going to do what at the border, how is this going to shake out for the economy, what's the tax rate going to be, all of that gets pushed, a shot, uh, pushed, a, pushed aside for this is the guy that they cannot break, and they're throw, they are throwing absolutely everything at Trump, and he just keeps on coming. So I, I think that this is the phenomenon that's unfolding before us, and now this brings us to the Democrat, it, it is clear that the indictments have solidified. Uh, there, there maybe was some question about that, Clay, right? Are people yes. going to grow tired of this? We don't have to do this. Maybe, well, half, of, again, it's only half. Half of this audience by the statistics, by the numbers, is saying, I, I kind of wish it was somebody else, but I'll still vote for Trump. Half, based on the polling, are like, it's all in for Trump. And when you're in a primary, 50%, when there are however many candidates there are, that's a dominant lead, perhaps an unassailable lead. The question then becomes... Do they deliver the primary to Trump and hobble him for the general? I think the Democrats are making a case on this one. The question is, are they wrong? Are they wrong? 37-point lead, uh, Buck. No one has ever, at this stage, as we're sitting five and a half months before the voting starts in Iowa, no one in the modern history of the New York Times poll, which is 50 years of data, has ever come back from more uh, than a 20 point deficit and we're sitting at 37. I think 10 is the biggest anybody's ever come back to. And they pointed to in 08, Barack Obama was down pretty substantially at this point in time. And in 08, uh, meaning in 2007 leading into 2008, John McCain was also down. 
There's a bunch here in this polling, and we'll get to the CNN as well, Buck. But this is the part that really stood out to me. Um, 54 to 16, Trump is more fun than DeSantis. But, Buck, 45 to 43, the Republican electorate finds DeSantis more likable. So there's a huge segment out there that I that I'm kind of really intrigued by that doesn't like Trump as much as they like DeSantis, but finds him far more fun. And I just think that incongruity is really interesting and difficult for the DeSantis camp to attack because they're actually more likable. And also the majority says that DeSantis is more moral, but Trump is more fun, and they think Trump will do a better job. Uh, And the other part on this, Buck, that stands out And we need to really, I think maybe even tomorrow we can spend a bunch of time on this. Because we've said it on this show, but I don't think most in the modern media out there have discussed it. Trump is in a stronger position to be re-elected president today than he ever was in 2016 or in 2020. When you look at the polling data out there. Trump right now today, as we speak, stronger than any time he ever was in 16 or in 20. Well, well, let's let's look at this, right? What assuming that number is 50%, what what kind of numbers would he have to lose in terms of support? I mean, is it is it plausible that Trump is going to lose 20 or 30% of that support over the next 6 months? No one can predict the future as I always say, but it does seem as a matter of history and as a matter of statistics Highly, highly improbable because it has not happened in recent memory. I mean, you talked about some of the uh, the, the numbers that have been uh, overcome in the past. And I, I do think that this is what has changed. The only thing that has changed really is, well, one, the DeSantis campaign that people have seen the campaign and they have passed judgment on it. Some of the base has passed judgment on it. That is a part of this. Uh, and there's a reset going on. Is that reset enough that people feel like, OK, maybe some stumbles in the beginning, but lessons learned? We'll see. But beyond that, what they are doing against Trump is so crazy and so over the top that I think I think a lot of uh, GOP base voters are saying to themselves, this is now just it's like a uh, an obligation to the country to refuse to bend the knee to this. You know, there's this intransigence that is building this this sense of uh, the immovable righteous force here of we're not going to allow them to crush Donald Trump because they're so, uh, you know, they hate him so much. They they are so opposed to him. And so this is why I think it's uh, very hard to persuade people otherwise, because it's not even like Trump has really done very much in terms of campaigning. You know, it's not like there's a what are the new ideas? There really aren't a ton of new ideas. There's old Trump ideas that he says he'll finish this time around or he'll, you know, drain the swamp. Um and you know promises that he made before here's a here's a distillation of what you're saying buck in the head-to-head matchup trump is winning on both sides of almost every issue let me give you some example republicans who accept transgender people as the gender they identify with and those who not who do not trump wins republicans who believe abortion should always be legal and among those who believe it should always be illegal for people who want to fight woke corporations 
and those who prefer that people stay out of businesses. Uh, among those who want to send more military and economic aid to Ukraine and among those who not, who do not, among those who want to keep Social Security and Medicare benefits as they are, and among those who want to take steps to reduce the budget deficit. In other words, Buck, Trump is winning on both sides of every issue, which makes it very hard to attack him and gain ground on a policy perspective because he's winning in every direction. It's pretty wild. It It is. What do you think is going on here? What do you see happening? Uh, light us up on those lines. 800-282-2882. The preborn network of clinics nationwide has one purpose, and that's to rescue unborn babies. They do that by providing support and resources to pregnant women contemplating whether they will give life for their child or choose an abortion. In most cases, when preborn introduces that mother to her child through an ultrasound, the mother chooses life for that baby. All of this is free, but only because of donations from you and me, the pro-life community. Here's some good news from Preborn. To date this year, they've rescued over 28,000 babies. Right now, tens of thousands of mothers are awaiting the birth of their precious babies, and thousands upon thousands of babies are taking their first breath. That's due in no small part to the donations you've made to Preborn. That's your impact on the life of a child. For just $28, the cost of each ultrasound experience... You can introduce at-risk babies to their mothers and give them life. Once she sees that precious life and hears that heartbeat on ultrasound, the choice becomes so much easier for mom. Please consider donating a gift of any amount that will go directly towards saving babies' lives, whatever you can spare. Using your cell phone, dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say the word baby or go to this website, Preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B U C K. Sponsored by Preborn. He's Buck Sexton. He's Clay Travis. Together, they're breathing sanity into an insane world. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young kids, builds specially adapted smart homes for severely injured veterans, and is working to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. 
He has never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades in arms, nor the efforts of his first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud foundation donor. Tunnel of Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. If babies in their mother's womb could speak, what would they say? In the absence of words, they share the sounds of their heart beating, telling you they're alive and growing. An unborn baby's heart is already beating at just three weeks. By five weeks, you can hear that heartbeat on ultrasound, and that's where Preborn's network of clinics step in. Preborn is the country's largest provider of free ultrasounds, and every day they rescue 200 babies' lives by connecting expectant mothers and children. Those are pregnant mothers deciding on life or abortion. Most often, they choose life. For just $28, you can provide one free ultrasound to help save a child's life. $140 will help rescue five babies' lives. Donate via cell phone, dial pound 250, and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Visit preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K. Preborn has a 100% charity rating. Sponsored by Preborn. All right, welcome back, team. 800-282-2882. The Oakland... NAACP wrote a letter that you need to hear at least part of just slamming the city and county officials and social justice movements. This is from it's about crime, decay, fear on the streets, lack of accountability for criminals. I mean, it's pretty stunning uh, the language that is used. And we also have a recent uh, town hall meeting. Uh, we have a recent town hall meeting where people were, you know, describing these grievances and police were trying to respond. We'll play that for you in a moment here. Uh, but this is one of these everything that that we say, everything that I tell you, everything that Clay tells you here about crime. You know, it's true and you know, we're right. And even libs are figuring this out now, even the Democrat left. And really, I think more than anything else, what prevents them from just doing what is necessary is they don't want to do something that's an admission that we were right, meaning the right was correct, all along. But here you go. From this letter, failed leadership, including the movement to defund the police, our district attorney's unwillingness to charge and prosecute people who murder and commit life-threatening serious crimes, and the proliferation of anti-police rhetoric have created a heyday for Oakland criminals. They are asking, the NAACP in Oakland is asking for a state of emergency, Clay. Now, this is from a recent town hall um, where you have community members speaking out and law enforcement trying to address it. Let's start this. And this is from the local, um, uh, one of the local TV affiliates. I'll tell you which one in a second, but play it. A crowd of people outside wasn't even allowed in as Montclair Presbyterian Church was filled to capacity. The crowd inside was eager to talk about violent crime and started interjecting as District Attorney Pamela Price tried to go into a presentation about Criminal Justice 101. Some people want to know it because everybody does not know it, okay? The The frustration wasn't just aimed at the district attorney. Captain Clay Birch from the Oakland Police Department was. Wait, can we we pause it here before we get to the cabin? Clay, the district attorney is trying to speak to a church in Oakland. 
It's a lot, there are a lot of, I mean, you see the video, a lot of the people there are black. There are a lot of minorities who are, who are in the church. They won't even let her speak. Yeah. They, they don't want to hear the garbage that they know is going to be spewed. This is, to me, too, Buck, a perfect representation of the rich, mostly white, woke, college-educated, wealthy, ruling class of the Democrat Party telling people who live in inner-city neighborhoods what's better for them based on systemic racism. And we've been making this argument for a couple of years now on this show that being concerned you're too mean to criminals is a luxury of a low-crime environment. And if you live in a city, as many people out there listening to us right now do, that have is dealing with incredible increases in crime, violent property crime, robbery, theft, everything, you're fed up. And that is, I love that, Buck, because that's real on-the-street reaction to left-wing policies on uh, policing and on crime directly from the residents who have to deal with what uh, what what l- loose crime, soft on crime policies actually lead to. I'm just wondering, does, does anyone want to guess is Alameda County, so which is uh, Oakland, District Attorney Pamela Price, does anyone want to guess, yes or no, is she Soros-backed? Was there Soros money that elected her? Hmm. You all know the answer. I don't have to tell you the answer. But let's continue here, Clay. Here's one of the cops who want to do their jobs but aren't allowed to do their jobs in Oakland. Play it. About what officers are doing to prevent crime. Fellas, brothers in blue, I know your hands are tied, but you've got to be doing some preventative, preventative stuff. Yes. You know, you're standing here on the corner right here in Montclair. You can hear the bucket cars come up here robbing us blind. You know? Amen. I mean, you know, please talk about preventative, not a crime happens. Captain Birch tried to explain how the department's hands are tied, especially when it comes to property crime. If all we have is a burglary and my officer sees five cars being broken into and that car takes off, we can't chase that car. But a lot of the anger... Wait, tonight- okay, okay, hold on. So just, just so you're getting... There you you heard that that gentleman because again I saw the video it's a local TV affiliate that's a, a a black member of the community is basically begging law enforcement to lock up the criminals and keep everybody safe because that's their job to do preventative stuff which means more patrols more more presence. stop question and frisk this is what he's begging for if you listen to that question is hey don't just try and stop criminals after they commit crimes, which is scary. They can't even chase the guy when they see him committing crimes, Buck. He's saying, please, will you please stop question and frisk in a preventative measure to try and catch criminals before they commit violent crimes? And that is uh, the essence of what has to be happening. And it's so frustrating, too, because any you go into any any major department, you know, well-trained police department anywhere in America, and the cops on the street, they they know the areas. They know the neighborhoods. They know when people are, uh, you know, there, there's a sense you get. And certainly it, it's in a, a different context, but anyone who's been out outside the wire in a battlefield also feels the same thing, where you just get these senses about what's normal, what's not. The cops are able to draw upon the experience, especially if they're doing patrol day in and day out. And this is very important for keeping their community safe. I want to just let let it just go even further. Yeah, so they can't chase them. And and here's more of this 
This town hall meeting, it's amazing. Play it. Tonight was directed at crime sprees where kids are the suspects. District Attorney Pamela Price said in a recent case, there wasn't enough evidence to take a group of kids to court. What happened after they were let go? Many concerned <laughs> okay, residents wanted to... You have, you have like, you know, ladies in the crowd who are Grandmas. calling out this district attorney who are saying, yeah, you just let them go, and now they're little monsters, and they're going to attack somebody else. I mean, people are fed up. You know, I, these are that room, Clay. I'm telling you, if you looked at the party registration, uh, Oakland is a Democrat. It's like San Francisco. It's 90 percent Democrats in that room, but they're sick of living in fear, and they're sick of the Democrat Soros-backed DA not doing anything about it. Well, and that's representative, I think, of what's going on all over the country. And as we move towards the 2024 election, I think this is why it is so incredibly important to have someone making a cogent argument on what to do with uh, with the violent crime rate in this country. It, it, it's, it's interesting, but that was the KPIX, which is the Bay Area CBS affiliate that did that report. And look, you know, it's it's good reporting. People need to see this stuff. You can basically line up, Clay, at this point in time. The more left-wing a city, the more it has suffered in the aftermath of BLM 2.0 and the George Floyd riots and everything else. There's like a direct correlation. Just line it up with D.C., San Fran, Chicago, go down all these places. You look at the greater the concentration of Democrat power and voters the more degradation and decay relative to where that city was. I know they'll say, oh, but San Francisco is still pretty safe. No, no. Look at the crime rate now versus three year, three or four years ago, and it, it couldn't be more clear. This has been an entirely, the soft-on-crime approach, the permissive approach, has been an entirely failed experiment of policy, and the left was wrong. Just like they were wrong about masks, just like they were wrong about mandatory COVID vaccines, they're wrong about their crime policies, too. Yeah, and I think this is important, Buck. Empathy, because that's what they would argue. Oh, we need to be more empathetic for uh, the criminals here. Misguided empathy creates hard times for everyone. So the one group you would think that you don't need to be empathetic for, and I've done criminal law. I understand there are people who commit crimes who actually can get their lives back together again. But the idea that we're being too tough on multiple violent felons and that we're letting people who are committing and perpetrating crimes, and you know this, Buck, and all the police officers out there listening to us know this right now, too. You mentioned it. They know the 1% of people in these communities who are committing the crimes. 99% of people can live in peace and trying to take care of their family and everybody else. It only takes about 1% to throw everything into pure chaos. Look, let's be honest about this, too. The Soros left of the Democrat Party, which calls so many of their shots and is so central to their policy, it upsets them that it's not more guys wearing MAGA hats who are right-wing who are being arrested everywhere. That's That's really what this ultimately does come down to for a lot of them, is, you know, the greatest threat in the country to our safety and security is Trump and, and, and white supremacy, as they say. And then they're upset that there aren't more guys with Trump hats being arrested for violent crimes across the country. That's the bottom line. That's what Rashida Tlaib told us. We talked about this on Friday, Buck, when she said the number one threat to America is white men. 
And, and barely any criticism of her at all. Did you see that on the front page of newspapers? Of course not. Nope. Allowed to say whatever she... Like I said, you're allowed to degrade and lie about uh, white men, you know, as a matter of statistics or policy as much as you want in this country now, which says something, doesn't it? We'll uh, get back into more of this. We'll take some of your calls, 800-282-2882. Support U.S.-funded resources. Phoenix Capital Group invites you to invest in the heart of America with our domestic energy corporate bonds. Phoenix Capital connects private investor principal with direct investments in domestic energy assets. Your venture in these U.S.-backed equities can gain up to 9 to 12% annual interest paid monthly. It's a vote of confidence in the American dream in the unwavering spirit that built our nation. To find out more, download the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com. Look, I'm an investor in the Phoenix Group myself, but investment in bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Learn how you can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 12% APY. Download the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com. Geek out with the guys on the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. A new episode every Sunday. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Third hour, Clay and Buck kicks off right now, everybody. And we have a lot to get to here. You've got the GOP considering the possibility of impeaching Joe Biden. Some uh, Already some back and forth over that one among members of Congress. You also have Devin Archer testifying today about his business dealings with Hunter and Joe Biden involved in all of this. Um, and that's, I think, really something that they've tried so hard to uh, avoid the public from figuring out which is that Joe Biden was very much a part of the Hunter scam. That's right, the sitting president of the United States. Can I just can I just put this out there, Clay? Do you see this? This is um, Representative Daniel Goldman. Uh, it's cut 31, saying, of course, Clay, Joe Biden was talking to Hunter's business associates. Obviously, play it. The president's statement saying that he never talked to any of Hunter Biden business associates. Clearly, he talked, whether about the weather or whatever, but he said specifically that he's never talked to them. Doesn't this contradict him? I, I don't know what his comment is, and if we're going to... Well, I don't think that's what he said. He never said that he has never spoken to anyone. He said that he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business dealings. If he says hello to someone that he sees his son with... Is he supposed to say, hi, son? Oh, no, I'm not going to say hello to the other people at the table or the other people on the phone. It's kind of a preposterous premise to think that a father should not say hello to people that the son is at dinner with. And that is literally all the evidence is. OK, Clay, I mean, this is this is I mean, that depends on what the meaning of is is. This is over lawyering. This is a desperate attempt to avoid what is the fundamental and obvious conclusion. Joe Biden is a liar and Joe Biden was in on it. He said specifically, Buck, I've never spoken to any of Hunter's business associates. That is pretty transparent, straightforward and categorical. And now they're shifting the argument. And this is uh, not unexpected because Corinne Jean-Pierre said, oh, he's never talked with Hunter about business, uh, with his family about business. Look, this is all a lie. 
Joe Biden was neck deep in Hunter Biden's business dealings. The only reason Hunter Biden had any business at all was Joe Biden. I mean, these Chinese and Ukrainian interests are not stupid. Buck, and I've said this on the show before, but if we, if, if Chairman Z had a crackhead son that the United States interest could pay a couple million dollars to and know everything that was going on inside of the inner reaches of the United, of the Chinese government and to have someone to advocate for United States interest, it would be the greatest intelligence coup of the 21st century. You worked in the CIA. If you could have been involved in the crackhead son of Chairman Z that America somehow set up payments to him for a couple million dollars, and as a result, we had the ability to influence the decisions that China was making in a way that was beneficial to the United States, every single one of us listening right now would say, that's the intelligence coup of the 21st century. Would you love to have been a CIA analyst able to put together that kind of intelligence gathering operation for the cost of a couple million dollars? Oh, that's that's career making, not just for, let's say, a, a, a case officer who'd be running that kind of an asset, but for the head of the agency at the yes. time. I mean, that that level of access to a foreign adversary, if you could actually get that, would be absolutely tremendous. And I do think we can all discount the likelihood that Hunter Biden was being paid for his uh, market advice when it comes to foreign natural gas, making home videos, and perhaps how to set up your own chemistry set. I mean, we know what his skill set is, and it is not something that is worth the millions and millions of dollars we've given him. So this couldn't be more obvious, um, but I, I do think that everyone needs to prepare themselves for the reality that the Democrats, I don't think that uh, because a Democrat is in charge, Joe Biden, because there will not be charges against Joe Biden himself, they will justify anything that comes out under the, well, Joe Biden hasn't been charged. Donald Trump has been charged so many times. I can just already see that's where this will eventually go because they've had to walk back the defense so many steps. Also, I wanted to address something else, Clay, because, you know, we had the caller just now. I think was um, we were trying to uh, always represent this by the data as accurately as we can. I, I think that this audience is as good a, a an example of the GOP base as you could find on on any program, anywhere uh, in any medium. Right. Um, you know, it says large sample size. And we've got people from all 50 states who are listening. And, and so that gives us a good sense of where people stand. About half the audience, by the numbers, is all in for Trump. About half the audience is not. And so when we talk about these issues, like I brought up DeSantis before, when we're discussing the positives and negatives of different candidates or campaigns, we're not endorsing. And Ron DeSantis is a phenomenal governor of Florida. That doesn't change. Uh, that's not something that uh, the polls are going to this is about who the best president of the united states will be for the gop and for the country going forward and so we're looking at what the voice of the base is at this point in time and trying to analyze it basically what i'm saying is if, if someone's looking for oh well you know are you are you going to push for this person or that we're not trying to push we're just trying to analyze assess and look at the data for what it is and so uh that's why i guess when he says uh, you say he's the best on covid 
Um, he was the best governor on COVID. And to the point about attack ads that say that that's not true, I disagree with those attack ads. I don't think that, but this is politics, and people are allowed to have different uh, different approaches to how they're going to assess someone's tenure in any role. So that's just, I didn't want to leave that all hanging at the end of the last hour. Look, you can simultaneously believe that Ron DeSantis would be a really good president and that Donald Trump would be a really good president and that Vivek Ramaswamy would be a really good president. I actually think, and and by the way, Nikki Haley or Tim Scott or whoever your chosen uh, candidate is, this uh, group of Republicans, all of them would be overwhelmingly better than Joe Biden. The point we're making is, the big story today, I would say double-barreled here, New York Times, uh, they say that Donald Trump has opened a 37-point lead. No one has ever overcome in 50 years of data a lead of more than 20 points na- nationwide uh, since they started polling over 50 years ago. So if Ron DeSantis or anybody else were to catch and overtake Trump, it would be the biggest upset given where we're sitting right now in modern presidential political history. And simultaneous to that release of the poll from the New York Times, also CNN finally acknowledged what we've been saying for a long time, which is Trump is in a stronger position right now, even with the double indictments and even with potentially a couple of more indictments coming than he ever was in the 2016 campaign that he won against Hillary and that he ever was in the 2020 campaign against Joe Biden. And we've been saying this on the program for a while. Remember, Trump never led in any poll that was out there in 2020. And he virtually never led in any poll that was out there in 2016. He's leading in some of the polls that are coming out right now. Now, we are still, what's the math, five and a half months away from voting in Iowa occurring. A lot can happen in five and a half months. Maybe there's going to be an upset in Iowa, as there has been in the past. Uh, we'll see. Really, to me, Buck, the race officially begins for much of the public on August 23rd in this first Republican primary. Now, the uh, Republican debate, there's going to be one in, Oct- in September. There's going to be one in October. Uh, but I-, I thought, I'll just give people a clarity. I was saying this to somebody uh, who's in the Trump administration that I saw down here at the Atlanta Braves game. Uh, on uh, on the weekend, we were having a conversation. I said, I thought that it was going to be far more competitive right now than it is. I'll be honest with you. I thought that we were going to have, well, in my favorite word, a real Donnybrook uh, in the Republican primary. So far, it does not appear that there's really going to be a battle at all. Maybe that changes, but tomorrow's uh, August 1st. Every day, every week that passes where this thing is not getting tighter makes it feel like more of a foregone conclusion. Well, also the polls were showing that it was going to be closer in December, January, February. So there was a moment there where there was consideration, a greater consideration among the GOP base of alternative options to another Trump uh, presidency or another Trump run, I should say, at the presidency because it's on the uh, primary side. Um, but that shifted, that changed. And so here we are now seeing a a massive uh, movement, of uh, really a consolidation of, of support for Donald Trump. I think it is clearly tied to the efforts to destroy him. I think that there are people for whom, at, at just a gut, maybe instinctual level, the attack on Donald Trump and the usage of the law to destroy him 
if this succeeds, what really is left? I, I think a lot of people feel that, meaning if if they're allowed to destroy Trump in this way, what are we thinking the system even can produce going forward? Um, I think I see those sentiments. I, I hear that from people or read it from people who are writing in. But I would also remind everybody that, you know, when we sit here and talk about the great thing on our side is you look at some of these people who are running, they're really impressive and they've done really good things either personally, professionally uh, out there in the private sector or for their respective states. I mean, a lot of these candidates are phenomenal people, you know, um, really impressive. And so I also think it's worth noting that for the top, let's say the top tier of GOP candidates, they agree with the people in this audience on policy and about the country and about their love of the country on, I don't know, 90% of issues, 95% of issues. So you're allowed to have a preference without despising the alternative on your own team. And I think that gets a little lost sometimes in these really aggressive primaries and, and the way people are uh, are thinking about this. Um, you know, there's we have a bunch of great governors on the Republican side who are doing a phenomenal job. Uh, we have people in this race who I think have shown, you know, obviously Vivek, but, um, you know, Tim Scott has a really inspiring story for people and is somebody who, you know, ultimately is a good man who wants good things for the country. I might be pushing a little bit here, but I can say this. Nikki Haley would be way better than Joe Biden. She's not going to be president. We all know that. But I'm just saying, I think it's worth keeping this. Now, maybe some people disagree with that, but I, I think it's fair to say that Nikki Haley would be way better than Joe Biden. So oh, I think that's 100 percent true. And, and I think, again, we will see five and a half months out. But I do think it's important. Remember, was it like two weeks ago, Buck, when I when I came on the show and I said, I feel like this is over. And yes, and you said I, it was over. <laughs> yeah, I remember two weeks ago I came on and I said, looking at the data, I feel like this thing is over. And um, and I think you were like, wait, you're calling it. You're crazy. I was. I, and and now we're I think it was two weeks ago. So people would check yeah. the transcripts. Now we're two weeks since then. And the New York Times is basically coming out and saying, hey, this is over. Now, the good thing is, if you are a supporter of the 50 percent that is not Trump, your candidate gets an opportunity to still make the case. The challenge is this, Buck. When I shared with you all the fact that Trump is winning on every side of every angle and that. Uh, wh- how do you attack him? Well, his support is not is not fundamentally due to grading each individual policy, and Correct. that's really what this comes. So down it's to. super hard to beat him on a policy level when most Trump supporters are not focused on the granular. Oh, he believes this on abortion, or he believes this. They are with him on a visceral, emotional level. So how do you erase a thirty-seven point lead? And by the way. DeSantis is the only one within 37. Every other candidate, Buck, is 50 points behind. Because the, not to even, me, yeah, the they're lesson, not even close. To me, the lesson of that New York Times poll is nobody else is above 3%. So, like, people are picking on DeSantis. He's sitting at 17. Trump has a 50-plus point lead on every other candidate that's announced so far. That's crazy. I know. Uh, I, I don't think anybody anticipated that's exactly... Um, where where it would be. And it, it has been a little bare knuckle from the Trump campaign on some of this stuff. That's also true. I think uh, the caller of the last hour is pointing that out. But to the Trump supporters, you know what they're saying? What do you think you're going to be up against with Joe Biden? What do you think? You know, the, the Democrats not only will lie about you, they'll throw you in prison. Yeah. So 
crying foul to the referees, unfortunately, it's not going to work in, in any context. Um, and it's just up to, you know, win, winning is winning. But what isn't it also Yogi Berra? Uh, it ain't over till it's over. Is that him or is that is yes. he the fat lady? I think, sings I think guy? that's Yogi Berra too. Yeah. So that's where we are here, folks. Bring out Yogi Berra. Look at some. Look at some of the wisdom therein. You know, there's a phrase that often applies to each of us. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. It's actually in this read. I don't even know if that's Yogi Berra. It means when a situation becomes difficult, strong people are able to step up and handle it. Having strength and stamina in tough times is obviously crucial. Your own stamina has often helped if you rely on Chalk's Male Vitality Stack. You take this every day. It's an all-natural supplement set from our friends at Chalk, specifically formulated to provide men with energy, stamina, and focus. The leading ingredient in the Male Vitality Stack has been proven in studies to replenish 20% of testosterone levels in men. And that's key because testosterone is the hormone in our bodies that fuels drive and energy. Get yourself set up with Chalk. Go online to their easy-to-find website, chalk.com. It's spelled com. Save 35% off any subscription you choose for the life of that subscription when you use my name, Buck, in your purchase process. Chalk.com. Use my name, Buck, B-U-C-K, for 35% off. Again, you can cancel your subscription at any time, but so very few folks do that because they love the benefits they get from Chalk. com. Don't miss a day of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. He served our nation for over seven years before he was severely injured during training. He was paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers helped severely injured service members and first responders, as well as Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders. It's already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. 
There is a great evil taking place in our society. Since 1973, over 64 million babies' lives have been taken. Preborn is dedicated to saving these precious lives. And every day, the staff members at Preborn Clinics rescue 200 babies and help women in crisis by sharing light, love, and a free ultrasound. That changed my life, just from that ultrasound picture. You see, when an expectant mother meets her precious baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, she is twice as likely to choose life for her baby. Would you join me and Preborn in rescuing babies' lives? One ultrasound is just $28, and for $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds helping to rescue five babies' lives. To donate securely, use your cell phone and dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 saying baby, or go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash buck. You will never regret saving a baby's life. Visit preborn.com slash buck, sponsored by Preborn. Welcome back, everybody. Our friend God Saad is with us now. Some of you are familiar with his work, I'm sure. He's an author, a public intellectual, a marketing expert. He has a new book out, The, Sa- <laughs> the Sad Truth About Happiness, because, you know, God's sad. Uh, God, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be with you. All right, you deal with a lot of stuff in here. You know, we talk about politics today, and and things have been pretty pretty fiery on the show. But we also want to give um, as much as we can ha- have conversations here that deal with how to live the good life, how to do the right things, how to feel good in your day to day. Tell us about how you can achieve that and what you're getting at in this book. Well, I'm basically arguing that look, there's about fifty percent of our differences in happiness scores come from our genes, meaning some of us have a sunny disposition, some of us have a less sunny disposition, but the good news is that it still leaves 50% up for grabs. So there are certain choices that you can make in life, certain mindsets that you can adopt that either increase your likelihood of happiness or of misery. And so that's what the book is about. What are some of these secrets? Okay, so, yeah, exactly. What are some? Okay, well, I mean, uh, let's start with the two most fundamental decisions that will either impart great happiness or great misery upon you, choosing the right life partner and the ideal job. I can speak briefly on each if you'd like. Uh, The right life partner, in evolutionary psychology, there are two opposing maxims. One is the opposites attract maxim or the birds of a feather flock together maxim. Well, for short-term sexual encounter, opposites attract works perfectly well. I may be sexually restrained, I may be introverted, you may be the exact opposites, and hence opposites might attract. But for long-term stability of a romantic union, the research is overwhelmingly clear that it's birds of a feather flock together. And what, what do we mean by birds of a feather flocking on which feathers? Well, it's sharing the same life goals, same belief systems, same values. You increase your chances tremendously if you find someone with whom to assort on these values. All right, what about jobs? Uh, So many people out there are constantly seeking affirmation, seeking happiness through what they do for a living. What does the data show us on this? What would you encourage? Let's say we got 17, 18, 20-year-olds listening right now trying to figure out what direction to go with their career. What would you say the data suggests is the pathway to fulfilling and happiness in that respect? Yeah, great. Great question. Thank you. Uh, I argue there are two fundamental things that you you should try to achieve in terms of your ideal job, if possible. Of course, I realize people may have, you know, pragmatic constraints. But if possible, number one 
any job that allows you to instantiate your creative impulse. You could be a chef, you could be an architect, you could be a podcaster, a stand-up comic, an author, a professor. All of these jobs, while very different, share one thing in common. They create new content, new material. And the process of being immersed in the creative process really is a is a direct pathway to purpose and meaning. The second uh, metric that I would recommend in terms of finding an ideal job is something that gives you temporal freedom. So, and, and that's a fancy way of saying that gives me freedom to sort of navigate through my day without being consistently constrained by someone else's schedule. So I may work very hard, gentlemen, but it's really on my own time. I could work till four in the morning on my next paper or my next book and then wake up at 10 and then go off to a cafe. So contrast that to someone who is bound by, you know, union rules as to when they can take a bathroom break. So all other things equal, Creative impulse, temporal freedom is a sure way to being happy. If I could just add one quick other thing. In one of the last chapters, I talk about anticipatory regret. So try to make decisions that will anticipate you not succumbing to future regret. So as relating to a job, many people at the end of their life will say, I really regret that I never pursued my interest in the arts. I became a pediatrician because my dad and his dad were pediatricians. And so you really have to be mindful of that. I understand that people have constraints. They have to put you know, food on the table. But if you can find something that will minimize anticipatory regret in the future, you're on your way to being happy. We're speaking to God Saad. Uh, he has a book, The Sad Truth About Happiness. We're talking about it right now. You know, you, you say in the book you get into resilience. I, I've learned the older I get, uh, God, the more it feels like re, like resilience and persistence gets you 90% of where you want to be. Oh, 100%. Look, you, when I'm working on this book, right, I mean, of course, you have to have talent to, t- to tell a story, to, you know, do the research on, you know, the material that you're writing about. But the discipline that is required to wake up every day, doesn't matter if I'm teaching classes that day, doesn't matter if I'm having trouble with my children at home, it doesn't matter if I have bronchitis, I have to head off and write 500 words a day no matter what, rainy, sunny, doesn't matter. If I don't do that, I could never meet the strict deadline that my publisher has imposed. I I ran a few marathons when I was younger. I mean, it's not about physical shape when you're running a marathon, it's when you hit the wall around the 38 kilometer mark, are you able to take another step? Everything in your body is saying no, but yet one step, another step, another step, and suddenly you finish the marathon. So there's nothing you can do in life that that, that is uh, substantive, that doesn't require this anti-fragility mindset. What about social media? What does it show you in terms of happiness? So many people spending a lot of time on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, they all have different cultures, Facebook, what does that reflect about happiness? Uh, is it a pathway to unhappiness? Is it something that, that you have to watch? Is it something that leads to more happiness based on your data? What have you seen? Yeah, great question. I mean, it really depends on how you interact with social media. If you use it, say in my case, because of my job, I have to spread ideas, I have to connect with people. Well, then if you do it for that, then it can bring you great riches. On the other hand, if you use it, to constantly compare your lot in life to others. Well, you know, they have a nicer car. Their marriage seems better than mine. They seem to have better put together children. Then that's why you end up with depression when you navigate through social media because everybody is curating 
the best aspects of their life. They're not showing you the bad parts. And so you start underestimating how good your life is. And you think everybody has this magical life and that can make you feel bad. So use social media to connect with others, drop the rest, and hopefully you'll be happier. One more for you, God. You know, I'm, I'm getting a, a dog with my wife this fall. You have something about that, that really <laughs> stuck out to me in the book about, you know, taking a tip from your dog about happiness in life. Oh, my goodness. I, you know what? I think that probably getting a dog is better than being put on any antidepressant medication. I mean, may, I'm being a bit facetious. But look, what? why do we share so much with dogs? Because we both have an innate and desperate desire to play. We're both social species. We both wish to be immersed in play. That's why I have a whole chapter on life as a playground. So I'm really delighted to hear that you're getting a dog. Believe me, as someone who's had many Belgian Shepherds, Life without a dog is bereft of meaning. Speaking of that, uh, there's different data I've seen on kids, especially when kids are young. Stresses on parents uh, are a lot higher. I'm curious what the data reflects on parenting, grandparenting, and how children factor in uh, to happiness based on what you've seen. Look, uh, the the research is is mixed. I mean, some, some people say that having... Uh, children, uh, you know, offers you a, a, a bit of a hit of happiness. Others say the opposite. So the research is not completely unequivocal there, but I'll answer in a more philosophical way. I argue that your pathway to immortality really operates through two pathways. Number one, I could have genetic immortality, and I can only have that by having children. When I have children, I literally am propagating my genes, at least half of my genes to each of my children. The other way that I can achieve immortality is through what's called mimetic immortality, right? The books that I write hopefully are read by others. They Now I'm infecting their brains with my ideas. And so uh, from my perspective, existentially, uh, life is somewhat uh, poorer if you don't have uh, children that can hopefully take care of you when you're older. So yes, get children. Hopefully that'll make you happier. The sad truth about happiness. God sad is uh, the author. God, always good to have you all, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Cheers. Uh, some folks in the know think that we're going to hear an announcement from our federal government related to a change in our nation's currency system. According to former Wall Street insider Tika Tawari, the government may well announce a national recall in the U.S. dollar in favor of a new digital version. Hard to imagine the logistics of that, but given our society's drive toward a cashless economy, it could well happen. This former Wall Street insider and now publisher, Tika, is warning us that the official announcement could come in the next few months. He's exposing this government plan in a video that explains all of it. It also includes several steps you can take to prepare. See the video online at this website dollarrecall.com again that's dollarrecall.com learn how to prepare before it's too late dollarrecall.com paid for by palm beach research group download and use the new clay and buck app listen to the program live catch up on any part of the show you might have missed use your cnb 24 7 subscription to get access to the guys find the clay and buck app in your app store and make it part of your day i'm jack armstrong he's joe getty we're the armstrong and getty show we cover the stories the mainstream media ignores the stories that are important to your life and important to the world the election of course the many trials of donald trump couple of wars gender bending madness 
Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 